on this episode of Breast Cancer is Boring. Um, so go snakes. Snakes 2023. Just like thriving in denial. <laughs> <laughs> I was like so good. I was like, this isn't a thing. This isn't a thing. This isn't a thing. The correlation between planning trips to Europe and getting cancer <laughs> needs to be studied. Like what the They're hell? Being, like, I, want, oh, I want to study. Yeah. Anything that's in my crotch for that long deserves a name. <laughs> life and humanity like isn't fair it doesn't make sense it's not supposed to and so mm. totally my fault um, jesus christ i'm a bad person you know? <laughs> welcome to breast cancer is boring a podcast about breast cancer with jocelyn and lauren whether you have breast cancer or any other kind of cancer or you're just a weirdo who's super <laughs> cancer curious welcome we hope you enjoy because breast cancer is boring, but we and you mm-hmm. are interesting. I love it. Welcome, welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring. This is my podcast. Lauren is out this episode, but I have a very, very special guest and I guess co-host at this point, honorary co-host person. So, uh, uh, the I didn't really go over the responsibilities of a co-host to you, Brandy, who we will introduce formally later. But I'm going to go through the announcements, and you you're like the reaction queen. You're the yeah. reaction mm-hmm. person. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm your hype lady. You're my hype lady, and I need that. And Lauren is really good at that. Lauren, I miss you. Um, all right, announcements. Uh, countdown to chemical freedom. Eight months until my estrogen runs free, and I am definitely counting that down yeah yes uh slight chance i know slight chance they could talk me into remaining in menopause and i just don't i don't know about that um countdown to lauren's london trip uh the newest update is lauren and her son are going to london in the spring and i'm very excited for them and yeah we're gonna make that happen because she needs a vacation she needs a vacation we did an entire episode about it you can check that out um, countdown to the election. What? Elections? Oh, man, are we getting political over here? Yes, we are. Um, you got to vote. You have to vote in your local elections, in your national elections, if you want access to the kinds of treatments that we enjoy um, as people who live in America and as people with um, a cancer diagnosis. Uh, so it's like a year and a half to the national election, but there are like lots of other local elections going on all the time. And you can find more out about that at vote411.org. You can join a local chapter of whatever national organization. I personally uh, belong to the League of Women Voters, and Brandy, you do as and well. And so do I. Yeah, actually, you were my gateway drug into the league. So um, I'm only there because of you. I just love some power bitches fighting for democracy. Yes. <laughs> Same. Yeah. That's actually, that is, yeah, that's my vibe. I want that on a t-shirt. I want. Um, I also just want to plug it that remember, mm. if you don't vote, then you also give up the right to complain. And if you vote against science, then in my opinion, then you give up the right to use science. Oh. This is why I'm not president. This is why you're not president. Although, why not <laughs> is my follow up question. It would be really fun. We would have extravagant parties. I would write your speeches, and they would be so witty. They would be pretty good. People would love them. They'd be short. They'd be to the point, plain language. Yeah. <sighs> Everything people are always asking for. One can dream. One can dream. Um, we've been nominated, or this podcast, rather, has been nominated for a Sonic Bloom Award. We are finalists. I don't know when this is coming out. I don't understand. I thought July they were going to announce the winners, and I cannot find it on the internet. So um, if anyone listening knows when the Sonic Bloom Awards are, you know, I don't know, awarded, um, could you tell me? We are finalists in the uh, two in two categories: dynamic duo and best big budget sound. Hey, <laughs> I know, right? Wow, I... you guys are queens. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, thank you. I am proud of we too. Um, and now this is a part where uh, I furiously search uh, Apple Podcasts for new reviews because I failed to do it before the recording of this episode. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Nothing new, guys. I, I would like to plug the fact that we are a five-star reviewed 
uh, podcast, you can read 46 of our ratings. Um, and uh, Miss Michonette, who told me it was okay to mention she's my sister, <laughs> left us a review <laughs> last time. And it was awesome. And I can tell you, validation from strangers is like one level of of uh, happiness for me, one level of like contentment and satisfaction. Validation from my family who know me and have grown up with me and know I'm not great, it is like next level. I was like, next level, right? What do they say? Yeah. There's like that saying, like, you're never a hero in your hometown or something like that. Like, these I famous people go home to their families and they're just the normal person that they have always been. Yeah. You know? So your family is actually a really tough sell, or at least mine is. I don't know. I guess there are some families that, like, participate in the uh, general. Well, I feel like family is the toughest critic. Yeah. Yeah, because is that? they don't have to be nice to you for you to love them. Their family, you're gonna, you have to love them regardless, right? Oh, actually, I found I don't have to. <laughs> but that's a different episode. Okay. <laughs> On today's episode, finally, finally, we get to introduce um, my guest co-host and honored guest guest, uh, it's someone that I started working with two years ago in the emergency department, so a place I'd never worked before. And this person came in as I was waiting for my first huddle experience. It was outside and you came in with like, I could tell that you had biked cause I think you had your helmet or something. Probably. Okay. And you came in and just like everyone like knew you and just the way that you presented yourself. I was like, oh, this is an alpha person of the emergency department and I want to be like her when I grow up and I'm still striving for that exact goal. It's Brandon Thompson. Well, you flatter me. Also, I appreciate you recognizing that when I came to huddle, I usually treated it like I was running for mayor of my hometown and I was just walking up and down. Shaking hands and kissing babies. You literally, you literally were. Why there were babies at our shift huddle, I don't remember <laughs> quite, but you, right. you kissed them all. Yeah. I also want to say I thank you for that very flattering intro. And while I might have been like a informal leader in the department, Definitely. there was many other who preceded me and taught me how to be like that. And there's still some fabulous ones that are still there. And now you are mm -hmm. one. Uh, I'm there. Yeah, you're there. And, and I have I'm, abandoned. I have moved on. You have moved on. And actually, that is a perfect segue into our first topic of discussion. Um, tell us about you. What's your deal? I'm 37. I'm oh, a wow. female. I go by she. Um, I grew up in Ohio with two sisters and two parents. And we all get along pretty well. Nice. I bounced around America. I previously was a rattlesnake wrangler, an eighth grade science teacher. Jesus. I was a uh, waitress for years and years and years. And what else? As all good Lots of other stuff. Are. <laughs> yeah, I owned my own print writing company for a little bit. And then I became oh a nurse and I worked in the ER for some years. And I earlier this year, transitioned to our flight team. So now I'm a flight nurse. Nice. And I also am Banjo's mom. He's my dog. And Aww. I'm a, primarily a bicycle commuter and a connoisseur of microbrew beers. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. I missed a lot in your intro, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I do. That's awesome. You're actually very, okay. Most impressive on that entire list. Can we rewind to Rattlesnake Wrangler? Can you explain what? I mean, because it, it sounds like, is it what it sounds yes. like? Yeah. So my original degree, I've lived like 20 lives, which yeah. is so fun. My autobiography is going to hopefully be exciting, even though I will, because of my multiple lives, will live an impoverished life. And um <laughs> Of course, of yes. Some, like, of, yeah, really no bright times it. and also some dark times and like right. very poor choices being made. Um, but my original, when I was 18 or 22, I went to college at the University of Michigan and I got a degree in environmental science and conservation. Mm. And so 
one of the jobs that I had while I was getting my degree was an endangered species recovery program. And we were recovering two species of rattlesnakes in Ohio that were endangered. So we would like go out and catch them. And then we would implant little radios into them and let them loose and then track them in the woods and then find their dens. And then we'd protect their dens so that when they had their babies, their babies would survive to try and boost the population. It was crazy. This is wild. Yeah, it was so This is absolutely wild. It was so fun. I would like wake up at five in the morning, go out hiking in these fields or like riding a little ATV around these fields. We would go find rattlesnakes. We just spent the day like flipping over rocks, <laughs> but it was really cool. And then you would catch a rattlesnake, you put it in a pillowcase and you put it in a little cooler, like a 12 pack cooler in the back seat of the truck. To and keep then them you would cold? to keep them like, uh, no, to keep them not too hot or not too cold, like okay. temperature regulated. Okay. Oh, it's like an empty cooler. I'm, I'm imagining like you yeah. shoved them oh, in yeah, the ice fair. next to your beers. But that's that not... was unclear. That was okay. unclear. Yes, an empty cooler, no ice in it. <laughs> so yeah, then we would was only take them back to me to the lab, and then we would yeah implant little radios in them. It was like my most favorite job ever. Um, uh, it was great. Wow. Okay. Two things. Number one, wh- and we're gonna move on from this, I promise. But I just I can't <laughs> at the moment. Why save rattlesnakes? Why is that a big deal? Because they're dangerous. They scare me. And also, radio chips, can we give them to children? Ooh. Uh, yeah, I think you can. It's like microchipping your dog, kind yeah. of. Yeah, next level, microchipping your These human. radio transmitters are a little bit bigger because they would, like, transmit a radio signal. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I think it's 2023, babe. We can do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> you want to put radios in, kids? Like, everyone's fighting for a parental rights bitch like you can do what you want I guess I mean I guess uh, we already do we give them cell phones so that's pretty much yeah it. It definitely more powerful than the radio transmitters we have yeah find my iPhone yeah okay way more effective um and then you save rattlesnakes because they are an apex predator mm-hmm. so if you don't have rattlesnakes then you don't have animals uh to eat the mice the rats all the all the vermin yeah, and you want that. And it would be like an un- – I think I'm not really interested in living in the world where there's no snakes and just, like, rats take over. I think there's, like, quite a few scary movies made about that. I think so. Uh, also yeah. about chipping humans. But, yeah, I'm not <laughs> yeah. – I don't buy into the ratatouille propaganda that, like, rats are all friendly, um, well-trained French chefs. No. I don't believe that. No. I don't see the research to support that. Um, so – Go snakes. Snakes 2023. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, we're here for it. Yeah. Let's get that slither energy on. Let's. How slithering? Am I right? I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I've never read Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's a. Okay, so you've done a lot of things. You went into nursing. What were your plans for your life? Because, spoiler alert, you're on a podcast about breast cancer. Because we're going to reveal later on, dun dun dun, that you yeah. have, yeah, yeah. So yeah, how plans don't work out, right? But what yeah. were the plans? Um, you know, once I went to nursing school, the plan was just work three days a week, saving lives, which is very fulfilling, mm. and then four days a week, hang out and make a difference. I think. One day I'd be interested in running for like a local office. Also, I'm very interested in like living half of my life, maybe in South America, <laughs> like away from here. Yes. I, and honestly, people always ask me that. They're like, well, you just wanted to be a bedside nurse for a little bit. Right. And then didn't you want to do something else? And I'm like, honestly, all I want to do is be a motherfucking badass yeah. ninja nurse. Yeah. Like one of those nurses who can just look at you and know what's wrong with you yes. and look at the doctor and the doctor knows what's wrong too. Like I just wanted to be that person who had so much exposure and experience that going to work was just rote muscle memory. Right. Right. Lots of brain space for other things. Have brain space to have that level of confidence and yeah. competence yeah. and then go home, clock out and then have all this energy to do other things. So I have lots of hobbies. I ride my bicycle a lot. I am a master gardener. I like to travel. I have family and friends all over. So like 
just time for other things. Gardener, I forgot that part even. And you speak Spanish. You're you're bilingual. Sí, un poquito. Oh my god. So that was my vision. Just, just be a good human and be an active community member. Yeah. That's what I wanted to be. Okay. I think I can still be that. Actually, it's just going to look different. I think you still are that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. So your cancer experience is kind of divided into episode. I've divided it anyway. Episode one. Yeah. The first go around. And then episode two, the return of Clark, which is where we're at right now. But maybe catch us up. Because this sure. is the second time you're having to deal with cancer. So. Yes. Which is a lovely journey, by the way. Is it? Which is we'll talk about. Journey? Yeah. Aww. I'm considering my cancer now a chronic disease. Like high blood pressure or diabetes. It is. It is. All cancers are. Yeah. It's not like. I th- I think that at first I was like, oh, I had this cancer. And then we did these things. And now it's a wick gone now. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. This is just a thing I'm going to do the re- for the rest of my life. Mm. So I, well, first of all, well, I'll start with how I figured out that I had cancer. Yes. And then we can talk about what it was. Yes. So this was in 2019. I had just graduated nursing school. I had scheduled my NCLEX, which is like my nursing license boards. It's kind of a hard test. You like study for two years to prepare for the test. Yeah. Um, I was going to school in Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania, and that's where I had just graduated and I was living there and I had accepted a job in Tennessee in Nashville because mm. I wanted to move to Nashville. Oh. And yeah, after I was done with school and I had an apartment there and I had a job lined up and then I got the flu and the flu lasted for like 10 days. And I was like, Okay, I've had a fever for 10 days. This is kind of a lot. Like, usually for the flu, I wouldn't go to the doctor, but I finally went to the doctor and I was like, I had the flu. I feel like trash. Mm. And the doctor was like, Oh, do you know what? Pneumonia is going around everywhere. Let's do you a quick chest x ray. Right. And they do me a chest x ray. And she was like, Babe, you don't have pneumonia, but you are being choked out by a giant tumor. Oh my God. And yeah. And I was like, um, No, I'm not. <laughs> I was, she was like, I, I think that you need to have a CT scan. Okay. Granted, I want to everyone remember, like I had just gotten done being a student like three weeks prior. I was a waitress. I had some like really light Obamacare coverage, like emergency health insurance coverage. Like I didn't have good health insurance. I was like, I don't have $1,500 to get a CT scan. Right. And so I'm not doing that. And the doctor was really nice. This was like my family practice doctor. And she's like, okay, well, maybe it's infection. Let's do another chest x-ray in one month and see. And of of course, when I went back in one month, the chest x-ray, the tumor was still there. And so then I finally got a CT scan and they were like, yeah, this is definitely a tumor. You waited a month to find out if you had a tumor? Yeah, because I was just like thriving in denial. (laughs) I was like so good. I was like, this isn't a thing. This isn't a thing. This isn't a thing. You know what? So actually, that is strong denial. You deserve an award. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to study for my NCLEX. Oh. I'm preparing for this move. Blah, I would like blah, blah. to access that level of denial intermittently. Well, I I would not recommend. I know. It, I mean, it sounds bad, favor. but I still would like it. I did not, did not work out in my favor, but, um, so yeah. So then, you know, once you find out you have a tumor, then it moves pretty quickly. I would also like to say that like, once I found out that I did have a tumor, this tumor was like in my chest cavity. So you couldn't see it from the outside. It was like within my rib cage, but it was the size of a grapefruit. So if you imagine like the size of a grapefruit in your chest cavity, like there's a lot of things that had to be pushed out of the way. So this tumor had probably been growing for a couple of years. They said that my trachea, which is your windpipe, was like half occluded, like half closed up and was like moved over. So I had been having some breathing problems and they were like, oh, you have asthma. Like everyone in Pittsburgh has asthma. There's terrible air quality here. Here's an inhaler. Yeah. And also I remember like for the last, for the previous couple of years, my arm kept falling asleep. Like every night I would wake up in the middle of the night with my arm asleep. Oh my God. But I always was like, Oh, it's because I went to the gym today. I must've pulled a muscle. Maybe I was just sleeping weird. 
people know that the tumor had been like occluding all of my blood vessels in my arms. So blood wasn't flowing to my arm appropriately, especially when I was laying down. So like later, all of this made sense. But like in the moment, you're like, oh, my arm fell asleep. Like this is not a life-threatening symptom. Right. This, this is, is not silly. like chest pain. It's like, oh, my arm fell asleep. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I went up the stairs and I'm out of breath. Like probably yeah, it's because normal. of asthma or like air pollution. I don't know. Oh my God. So anyways, you know, when, once you find out you have a tumor, then things move pretty quickly. So I got a CT scan and then, you know, the next day I'm in the surgeon's office and then the surgeon is like, this needs to come out now. We don't know what it is. Anyways, they did a biopsy. It was inconclusive, of course. So they didn't even know what the tumor was. So I had surgery to remove the tumor. Mm. It was invasive. Um, now, but overall I healed up well now, like only half of my face sweats and I have a droopy eye. And I don't breathe that good. I've never noticed my, your droopy eye. Well, my mascara and eyeliner game is pretty clutch for hiding that. Wow. But if I don't have any makeup on, I have a droopy eye. Yeah. And uh, my diaphragm on one side is like frozen. It's like all high up. Okay. And so I don't breathe that well sometimes. Other than that, I'm fine, right? I had the surgery, whatever. Then they tell me it's this cancer called sarcoma. And I was like, what is that? I've never even heard of that. So sarcoma is the a cancer of connective tissue. So rather than it being in a specific organ like or like organ tissue, it's it can be like fat based or it can be in your muscle, in your tendon, in a blood vessel. Mm. Um so there's like 10 different types of sarcoma. The one I have is called liposarcoma, so it's like a fatty based tissue, I guess. And yeah, it's pretty slow growing, which is fantastic. It doesn't often metastasize, which is fantastic. So, I mean, like of all of the cancers to get, I like got pretty lucky. I would even say I had like cancer light. Like, Oh my God. The number one treatment for sarcoma is surgery. So I had this crazy surgery. I had just graduated nursing school though. So I was like, so pumped. I was like, Oh, look at me. I have a chest tube. Like now I know what this is. It was great. You're like marking your own chest tube drainage. You're like 1400. (laughs) Okay. 500 output. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like making the most of it. And I, um, yeah, I also, like I said earlier, I didn't really have health insurance. I had minimal health insurance, but I didn't have good health insurance. So I ended up having to pay like a lot of money for this surgery and, the outpouring of support. Some of my girlfriends started me to go fund me and mm. so many people gave money for it. It was like crazy. Like people are overall awesome. And so I would say that like my sarcoma episode one experience was overall positive. Right. Like, yeah, a little traumatic. I've, you know, whenever you go under a big surgery like that and someone tells you you have cancer, you like flirt with your mortality a little bit. But for the most part, I was like, okay, that was, I healed up. I'm fine. Great. And they were like, we're not going to do radiation. We're not going to do chemo. We think this is it. Great. So yeah. So then like anyone else who's had cancer, they're like, okay, so you have to have a CT scan done every six months for the rest of your life. Eh, Forever and ever. Yeah. So I got to join that like part-time job club of Mm -hmm. (laughs) cancer people who in their free time, go to doctor's appointments and get blood drawn. But um, overall, like I recovered great. I felt fine. I went to work. I started being an ER nurse. COVID happened. Yikes. That was more traumatic than having cancer for me, at least episode one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, people have surgery every day. Like I didn't feel like it was that big of a deal. Okay. Even though you had a chest and, tube and you couldn't breathe and sure, only one but side of you people, sweats. People have and... surgery every day. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it was an invasive <laughs> surgery, but, you know, and then last summer I had a scan and they were like, guess what? <laughs> it's back. I'm like, oh, well, I, I actually remember looking at them and I was like, well, so we're just going to watch this for a while. And th- what they found was small. Um, it wasn't causing any issues. And I was like, let's just leave it there and watch it for a while. Also, my sister's moving to Europe and I have a, a trip planned to see her. Like, let's deal with this in 2024 Dude, is what I said to them. The correlation between planning trips to Europe and getting cancer <laughs> needs to be studied. 
Like, what the that hell? Mean, like, I want, oh, I want to study. Yeah. yeah. Something in the universe is like tracking your Delta purchases. Right. Then, yes. Yeah. And it's then like, also nope. your scheduled CT scans. <laughs> Not this year, babes. Yeah. So I remember looking at the doctor and I was like, let's think about surgery in 2024 or beyond. Yeah. Well, then I had another um, scan and uh, the tumor had grown and now it's like threatening to give me a stroke because of where it's at and what it's pushing on and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm just too cute and too busy to have a stroke right now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Especially a planned one. (laughs) Um, So that brings us to episode two. Episode two, the return of Clark. Oh, well, yeah, I forgot to say the first time around, I wrote this big whole story and I named my tumor Clark. I don't know. I don't know where that name came from, but I named him Clark and he's an asshole. And yeah, Clark came back. Mm. Clark, I guess, never left. He was just like stealth mode for a while. Mm. No. So Clark is back. So we, yeah, so now I'm having surgery tomorrow, actually, to remove Clark. Oh, and Clark reproduced. So Clark is not alone. Clark has minions now. Oh. So, which is fantastic. And they're, most of them are problematic. Like, they're just hanging out, like, right next to important blood vessels that if they close, if they clog the blood vessel, then I'll have problems. Which, again, I'm too busy to be doing this. No, you're way too busy and important to be doing this. I'm not important. I'm just busy. I I just have a schedule that I like to do. You're a nurse who gets on a helicopter to go pick up patients in areas where they can't get access otherwise and then brings them to, gives them life-saving treatment en route to a hospital. I do that occasionally. I do that occasionally, Um, which is fantastic. It's so fun. (laughs) It's a pretty important skill I'm having surgery tomorrow, actually. This time is a little bit more invasive. I'll have another chest tube, which 10 out of 10 would not recommend. Chest tubes are terrible. They hurt so bad, but yeah. they're necessary. It's like a, it's like a, you know, necessary evil. It's like your COVID vaccine, right? You're like, oh, that hurts. And I'm going to be sick for a day, but thank you for saving thank my life. Science. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm here for the chest tube. I haven't met it yet, but once I see it, it will probably also have a name. I hope so. Because I feel like anything that's that, you know, intimately involved with my body needs deserves a name. That's why all my bicycles have names. Anything that's in my crotch for that long deserves a name. <laughs> Honestly, um, yes. So you are right. So TBD on the name reveal of my okay. chest too. Oh my god, name um, reveal party. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and then this time I'll get to do radiation. Radiation. Which I so I was not familiar with radiation. I did not mm. understand how it is a full time job. Yeah, there's no like going on a fun trip when you're getting radiation. No, you just are destined to feel like shit for six to seven weeks every day. Yeah. Which at a certain looking forward at, to that. At a certain point, depending on where your radiation is, there's like no wearing clothes either. Great. Yes. Yes. It. Yeah, it will probably be in a similar place yours was. It's just yeah. going to be like on my neck and like upper chest area. Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Even though I was a little bit excited about being radioactive and being like, am I going to go in the dark? That would be cool. Um, he told me, you know, the doctors are all like so straight-faced and don't joke. The They're doctor was so like, "No, that serious. is I know. That is not a thing that happens." I'm like, "Come on, bro. Just like just go with Give me a kid. little something here." Um, yeah, so I'll have, after I heal up, I'll have some radiation and then, you know, they told me, they're like, yeah, the radiation will reduce the chance of it coming back in the next five years. But radiation also is a fun thing. I'm sure as many of your listeners to this podcast know, like it might help this problem, but he told me about all the other problems it's likely to cause. Right. So I just feel like I'm getting treated like one evil for another evil. Right. Just in a different, I guess, uh, percentage. Yeah. 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 So he was like, you know, it will increase your risk of heart attack. It will increase your risk of breast cancer, but it will reduce your risk of your sarcoma coming back. And also it's going to destroy your tissues. So if your sarcoma does come back, 
it's going to be really difficult to do surgery again, mm-hmm. which is the first line treatment for a sarcoma. So, Jesus, you know, those are hard decisions to make. Like, I don't feel like I'm informed enough to make like a really good like value decision on like what is it worth it or not. Right. That's why we trust. That's why we trust these people, and I feel yeah. like they're genuine doctors that are on my team. That's why I traveled across the country to see them. But it is just like a you're putting a lot of trust with your possible future in these the hands of these strangers. Yeah. In an algorithm. And an, exactly. It does also just make you face your mortality in a much different way. And, you know, as an ER nurse, I watch people die every day for many years of my life. Mm-hmm. And some of it seemed totally some of it was not surprising. You're like, oh, you're 95 years old and yeah, you had a stroke yeah. and that's terrible, but like yeah. you're 95. Mm-hmm. And then other people had really tragic deaths when they got hit by cars or drunk yeah. drivers and yeah. on the way to pick up their kids from daycare. Like life and humanity like isn't fair. It doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to. And so mm-hmm. I think I've come to peace with that. Like, yeah, sometimes I get really angry and I'm like, this is fucked up. How come somebody like me who like saves people's lives for a living is dealing yeah. with this, but fucking Donald Trump eats Big Macs every day <laughs> and he's just like fucking bitches and thriving. Like, how come he gets away His with all that? His doctor says like, he's the healthiest man he's ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? I don't, I don't know. It, it's nonsense and it's awful. And those are the things that go through your mind. You're like, what? And, to just just to lend some credibility to your utter denial. I mean, I think most of us were there. It was like, what me? No, not me. <laughs> not not right. me. I'm not. And I used to have this idea, you know, when I was an oncology nurse giving chemo to other people, and I didn't realize that I was doing this in my mind, but I was creating two categories of people people who get cancer and people who don't get cancer. And of course, I was placing myself in the category of people who don't get cancer. And so the shock of it all was certainly, like that was part of it. It was like, no, I don't, you don't understand. My role here is as a caregiver, not to receive care. Right. Um, Right. Yeah, that And that's a humbling part of that when you've been on the caregiving end. Yeah. And then I go in there, you know, just this is small, but like someone's starting an IV on me yeah. and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I, that's what I do to you. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course I'm port. like critiquing everything they're doing because yeah. <laughs> I'm the only person in the world who can start IVs. Well, like that's not the case, but <laughs> you're um, like, are you sure you scrubbed that long enough? I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's just, um, but to go back to what you're saying about like fairness. So like life mm-hmm. isn't fair. If you look at life in that way, Right. And I, I don't know, I think some of us, if you grew up like with religion, I think a lot of us are programmed to think like that, like, oh, if you're good, then you're rewarded. And if you're bad, then you're punished. Like, guess what? That's fine for a coping mechanism, if that's how you want to get through life, but that's not actual reality. Like the universe is just entropy, right? So mm-hmm. like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how good you are or how bad mm-hmm. you are. Like random shit just happens to random people. So like right. my DNA somehow got fucked up. Right. Who knows what it was? Who knows? It could be random. It could be caused by something. Maybe I drank too much wine when I was in my 20s. I, I, who knows? But like, I, I you just... can't rationalize. We cannot rationalize no. these things. You no. just have to like bend over and take it and hope the universe uses some lube when they butt fuck you. And, <laughs> and then just like try and find the silver lining. Like, like honestly yes I don't know I'm I'm reading that book the subtle art of not giving a fuck and actually it's it's really good timing to read right now because he's like you you know you just have to like take life for what it is and like some of it sucks and that's life and so life is not about like oh there's this bad thing happening to me so now I need to fill or find a positive thing to also have in my life to cancel it out right no life is like here's this bad thing that's happening and let me look at that bad thing and try and find something good in it mm. right and mm. and so or just look that bad thing in the face and be like this is bad I feel bad that. I don't like this and also that dwell yeah. in that space and be okay with those periods of bad 
Sure. Yes. I feel like we're all clawing Absolutely. and like just like grasping for this idea of happiness and contentment and like having the next thing or being the next thing, or at least I am. And sometimes I, I will avoid being like, that was really awful because my instinct is to be like, it wasn't that bad. There, there are other things that were much worse. You know, there are people who are definitely suffering and, you know, even you with your cancer light, you had fucking cancer and now you have it again. (laughs) And that fucking sucks. And you get to be with everybody else in that club and we don't have to rank people, which is definitely something I have engaged in uh, for sure sure, is creating some kind of totem based on how shitty of a time uh, a person has had with cancer and their treatment. But sometimes life just sucks and, and it doesn't always mean that something's wrong. Right. Yes. Um, And I think, and I think I deal with that in a way where I'm like, okay, this is bad right now. Like this makes me feel sad or angry. And I allow myself that space. I also have found throughout my years that if I spend too much time in that space, then it ends up becoming like a toxic cycle for me. Yeah. And maybe that's just a personal thing, but like, yes, go to that space, acknowledge the darkness, hang out there for a while. If you hang out there for too long, you're going to make the darkness even worse. <laughs> so I try and I try That's and balance true. it with like gratitude work. Um, and some people might say that I'm toxically positive. I, I honestly, I mean, people can say whatever the fuck they want about me. That's fine. But yeah. um, I honestly don't believe I'm toxically positive. I, I think that genuinely I'm able to see some silver linings in all this. Also, I guess I should say to the listeners, I'm lucky in the fact that I don't have any physical symptoms right now. So like I feel fine. I went on a four and a half mile run today. I did seventy push ups. You're so I also did that fucking fit. It makes me mad. No. <laughs> well, I wanted to enjoy my body working because I know starting tomorrow my body's gonna feel like shit yeah. for a long time. So I was yeah. like, I want to remember what it feels like to like feel my oh. body working the way it's supposed to. But like I think that, you know, that's really helped this journey thus far is mm. I'm like, I feel fine it's really frustrating that I have to have these like really invasive procedures for these things that could and probably will happen to me down the road, like having a stroke from my tumors, but I don't, I don't have pain or like dizziness or nausea or or anything right now. I'm just hanging out. I worked two days ago. Yeah. So I think that's really been helpful and that's helped me, I think, stay positive at least during my anticipation stage. I, I am like really sensitive to toxic positivity because my cancer experience, especially in like the active, active treatment phase of it was really, really uh, just like marinated in rage. Um, And some that I didn't even recognize until later when some of it started to dissipate. And I was like, wow, my body feels lighter. And, you know, I, it was just, I was so fucking mad. I was so outraged that this would happen to me, which then exposed a lot of my narcissistic tendencies. So that was something great to work through with my therapist, but, um, silver lining. Um, but I'm like really, really sensitive. I feel like to, you know, that positivity because people would come at me with that. And I did not fucking want that. I did not want that. When you presented, though, the thing I think is different with you is I find you to be an incredibly genuine person, and you're not, it does not feel to me as though you are emitting this positivity as a way to avoid the the more difficult feelings and emotions that are happening. You're right. truly just trying to engage with that part of it as often as possible to bring some balance to your life. And that I think is a huge difference between when it's toxic positivity, which is just to do like this entire wash over everything so that you can avoid, you know, it's an avoidance technique. Um, Right. That's what makes it toxic. Like an inability to engage with the darker, heavier Oh yeah. And I mean, like, I definitely have my dark times, right. As we all do when you're, when you think about your mortality, like I've had my days where I just sit at home and cry and like, I'm working Mm. on my will or 
Mm. Or talking to my husband about like, yeah, if I don't make this, like, please grieve me for an appropriate amount of time and then find a new person to be your partner because I love you and I deserve, I want you to like have a happy life. These are conversations you you have to have. Yes. Yeah. We just had a talk today. Again, I was like, remember if I turn out a vegetable, you need to designate somebody to end this. And he was like, you seriously want me to find a hitman to take out my own wife? I'm like, well, yeah, but like a nice one. I mean, and I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you like a life insurance policy. You can pay for it. Don't make a mess in the house. Right. And make it quick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's definitely been those times. And then, you know, I like many times I've cried in public. A few times I've been driving my car, start crying, have to pull over. Yes. You know, like this happens. And that I fully engage with that. And I'm like, I don't feel good right now. Right. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm scared. All the things. Let's do it. And then after a few minutes, I'm like, all right, I think I'm done crying. I want to address a very important topic maybe the most important, and that is what is your end of treatment present going to be? So I want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Okay. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Well, that would be, that to me would signal like full recovery. And we'll see, that might, at the end of this, that might not be realistic depending on how I come out, right? Like okay. that may not be something within my wheelhouse with my like physical abilities anymore. You're so fit. But, You're so fucking fit. Well, but like this is messing with my ability to breathe and yeah, and we'll see how it turns out. But I think if I were able to like in a year and a half work out and like reach that level of training that I could go and do that and go yeah. to Africa for like three weeks and climb that mountain. That would really signal to me like, yeah, girl, you really beat cancer. Like you, you fully recovered. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If that's not an option, then there's plenty of other places I can go and like adventures I can have. Okay. But like, what's your like immediate present for making it through you I don't know am I the only person who does this like I feel like I set up little rewards for like every time I got I got chemo every three weeks I get got myself a present after every chemo oh that's brilliant I have not thought about that yes you need I know what I'm getting you (laughs) so you're you're getting something from me and I already have it planned out oh that's amazing you're gonna tell me no, absolutely not. Oh, uh, but Lame. you, it's like, you should have, you should have a gift. You should have a present, something that you wouldn't normally get for yourself. But as soon oh, as you are great. in any way, shape or form able to be like walked or wheeled into a facility or able to <laughs> hold a cell phone again, you are getting this thing for yourself. Oh, uh, well, I am going to get a facial. Okay. As soon as now I get back talking. to New Mexico. Now we're fucking That's like talking. a very simple thing. But I'm like, it's not. I'm going to feel amazing. like trash. I'm going to feel like trash. So the one thing yeah. I can do is look fantastic. Oh, that's what I'm about right now. It's a coping mechanism. It is. It's very transparent. But I'm like, yeah, if I'm going to feel so gross, I want to look amazing. Because I'm very vain. So that's I am the very same vain. reason why I dyed, that's why I dyed my hair purple. It's so cute. Same thing. It, well, it's like that, my version of that stupid bull named Fu Manchu song, right? Huh? That song. I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. Wow, it's been a while. Yeah, that song. I've... Anyways, anyways, that's embarrassing that I know that, that song. But song. It's all about this guy finds out he only has a little bit low, like a little bit oh, of time yeah. to live. And so then they're like, what are you going to do? You only have a little bit of time to live. And I was like, well, I'm not going to ride a bull and I actually don't think I'm going to die, but I think... <laughs> You know, like YOLO, so yeah. hair for me. Oh, that's that, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, thank God for the millennials for YOLO. Yes, thank you, millennials, of which I am also a part. Uh, for the YOLO, I'm definitely. Let me tell you. I mean, I, we've spent a lot of time talking about you, uh, and it's time to get to the important part: how your cancer is affecting me. Um, yes, please. And yeah, thank you uh, for giving me the space to talk about it. <laughs> because I'm just honored to be an inspiration. You have inspired the fuck out of me, okay? Because 
ever since, you know, when we first met, when I first moved, wow, we're going way back. Okay, when I started this job and moved here, I it was so lovely that no one knew I had ever had cancer. I, it was just a clean slate for me, and I was not going to share this with anyone at my job. And then you and I were at Friendsgiving, and we were kind of like, I knew I wanted to be your friend, like, immediately, but you can't just come out strong because then you're a weirdo. Um, yeah, I've done uh, that before, too. Right. The real and, aggressive, like, we're going to be besties. Yeah, we're going to be besties. And then people are like, well, yeah. I find yeah. you have to, like, ease into it um, because they don't share the, like, utter um, confidence that this is going to work. I just knew it would. Um, I've always known, ever since high school, I was always known. So, and also you had to know that I was like, okay at my job because I don't think we could be friends if either of us was like a cr- shitty nurse, you know, that well, would the be, stakes a, are high. the stakes are really high. Um, yeah. Anyway, we were at Friendsgiving and you were like, oh, what's that? What's that scar? Is that a port scar? I think you even like, you saw this, the scar. God, like, I have no couth. <laughs> It was so rude. It was lovely, and I loved it. And I was like, yes, I had breast cancer. (laughs) And you were the only person. Now there's two other people who know, one by accident and one because I told them purposefully um, at work. But only two people at my job know that this has happened because it's very important to me that that not be part of my narrative uh, because I don't want it to be. (laughs) I just don't. I want a place where it's not. And well, I think that's I think a bit maladaptive. it's always going to be part of your narrative, but yes. it, doesn't have to, it doesn't have to define you and doesn't have to be part of your outward identity. Yes. And I don't want it to take up space Yeah, in my work. Honestly, I, I don't because yeah. it was so, it took up so much space in my former job because everyone right. knew. And I had been at that job for like over five years at the time. And so I like knew every, it was just too much and it was overwhelming. Uh, all this to say, God, long story short to late is that when, you know, we shared our cancer stories with each other and then you having this recurrence has really kind of shooketh me to my core. And there was something in me that this year, the beginning of this year was like, you know what, this year it's going to be fuck it. Let's do it year. I kind of knew that, but then this happened and I was like, oh, big time, fuck it. Big, big, you're doing everything. And this has like resulted in some financially dubious decisions on my part. Uh, And I have not regretted YOLO. That's what I'm saying. You've YOLO'd me. You YOLO. Because because you're feeling triggered that you're like, oh, shoot, my cancer might come back. Yes, exactly. See, I can't even say it. I have to like dance around it. I have to like. It's scary. <laughs> it's it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely. I want to be like, hey, whatever happens, happens. Like, it's whatever. People suffer and then we die. But like, it's so traumatic. Yeah. And. Well, it's hard when you feel like you're walking throughout life with this like rain cloud just about to dump all over you. Yeah. But like, it's that feeling of anticipation like waiting for the storm to come that like yeah. where the anxiety lies that is where it lies yeah 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 and if it's gonna happen well, I just knew I was gonna go to Paris first and then that snowballed into me going to Vegas twice this year and now I'm going back to Europe like it just I'm going to do my skydiving, rocky mountain climbing, shaving my facial hair into a full out Fu Manchu. You're going to, no, the bull is named Fu Manchu. Oh, the bull is named Fu Manchu? You're going to ride a bull. He does 3.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. Oh, that's why I never understood that song. It's such an annoying country song. I was like, where did, I guess, because all I could hear was, ah, bull, bitch, you're you're in your Fu Manchu. And I was like, oh, (laughs) somewhere in there, he shaved himself a Fu Manchu, but I missed it. (laughs) That would have been a better song. (laughs) That would have been a better song. Oh, my God. Well, I think, um... I am sorry that this has been triggering for you. Thank you. God, I've been waiting am, for the apology this whole time, and it's like, I know. It? I know. <laughs> it, it does seem like it's my fault. 
totally my fault. Um, Jesus Christ, I'm a bad person. You know? <laughs> but I am glad that it's like you found some inspiration, not because of me, but just because like you've been awakened to being like, yeah, sometimes we never know when our, what our future is. So we have like today. Right. And right. like, I think that's one thing when I find myself like getting down and dark about this and I'm like, God damn it. Is this really like, I just try and be like, well, I have today, I have today and I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to save lives. I'm going to try and be a good partner. I'm going to try and make the earth a little bit better. You know, I'm going to try and like take care of this vessel that I get to habitate in for as long as I can. Yeah. You know, I, I did feel when I was talking to some of these doctors, I even told my husband this, I was like, I don't foresee myself being one of those people who lives until they're 85 or 90. Like, I don't think that's going to be my reality. Mm. And it could be, and I'm, I'm not trying to like manifest like a, a suffering narrative here, but I'm just being like realistic about what's going on. I'm like, yes, I prob I don't think I'll make it that long with all of this stuff and all the medicines I'm going to, in the red the radiation. I'm like, I just think that if I make it to 55, that, that might be my journey. And, and so if that is the case, like if I operate under those pretenses, like, will my life look different now than it would if, if I thought I was going to live until 80 or 90, like it probably will. Yeah. I'm going to make different choices. One of those is I'm going to wrap those credit cards up because money isn't real. Like gender. Money is fake. <laughs> My yes. sister always says, like, money, gender, and time are all a construct. And They're I'm like, yeah, all a construct. Yeah, they know it. So, like, whatever. No, I'm not, I'm not, like, recommending that people be financially irresponsible, but also, who gives a fuck? Also, who gives a fuck? I'm not put on this earth so I can be a slave to the hourly wage. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not doing this, that. This is a great... See, this is the positivity that I can engage with. Like, this is yeah. it. This is happening. Well, Brandy, my friend, my mentor, <laughs> oh, thank stop. you for taking time and, like, I don't know, kind of bearing your soul a little bit with me and strangers of the interwebs who are overwhelmingly kind in my experience. Strangers oh, on the thank internet. Thank you. I'm honored to have the opportunity and just to get to see you. So lovely. I wish I could see you every day. Um, know, you're amazing. But this is so cool. And what you're doing here, I think this mission is really cool. Oh, thank you. you thank you for sharing an alternative I... perspective on yeah. all of this. Like it's, oh, hey. It's important. Give me a mic and I'll talk about myself for hours. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Well, you're so interesting. What a gift. <laughs> Stop. I'll go on. Um, follow Brandy at Brandy Tomp. Thomp. Brandy Thomp. Thomp. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can follow us as well at Breast Cancer is Boring. You can email us. Breast Cancer is Boring at Gmail if, like, social media is not your thing. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave words, and the words I will read on the show. The end. Bye. Bye. <laughs>